Surprise! Today I am sharing a bonus episode with you. Recently, my dear friend and colleague Katrina Mize invited me to be a guest on her fabulous podcast, This Rural Life, to discuss how can we experience less stress and more joy this festive season. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to This Rural Life. Before we begin, I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land and waters on which this podcast is recorded on. Hello and welcome back to the show. I'm very excited to welcome back my wonderful friend Meg. Hello, Meg. Hi, Katrina. So Meg and I were chatting and at this time of year we often do sort of a Christmas special or like not a Christmas special but more of a how to survive Christmas and we were chatting about it this morning on one of our regular walks and we thought it would be lovely to share an episode with you guys all about how we can sort of approach Christmas in a more empowered way and Meg suggested we chat about really how to approach it with more curiosity and the power of curiosity at this time of year. And so I said, that sounds awesome because I've actually even been thinking that curiosity might even be my word for 2024 because I'm just obsessed by learning more about the power of being curious. So I thought this is the perfect thing for us to chat about. So Meg, let's start by just unpacking for people. What do we mean when we say getting curious. Like how does that relate to us as individuals at this time of year? And tell us about what curiosity means. For me, curiosity is that ability to be with reality as it is and then also consider new ways or new stories because we are meaning-making machines as humans. We create stories all day, every day. And some of those stories can be really helpful and motivating and help us move towards new futures. And some of them are really unhelpful and harmful and keep us stuck. And so curiosity is like that hinge on the door. It allows us to open up to a new possibility. And so for me, moving into Christmas this year, my intention is really to go in with curiosity to think about the stories I'm telling myself about myself and also the stories I'm telling myself about how Christmas should be, how holidays should be, how family life should be and how other people should be and being really deliberate in my decisions and thinking, is this really helping or is this harming? Mm, I love that. So when I've been thinking about this after our chat this morning and more a bit last week I was sort of relating it to for me it's getting curious about how I'm relating to other people and so something that comes up for me around Christmas is being in relationship with like my family members and some of those family members can be kind of triggering for me in different ways you know we fall back into those dance patterns or whatever so I've been thinking about how I can get more curious about how I'm behaving in that and how can I really just notice And sort of take that pause and stop to notice how I'm behaving rather than just judging the other person's behavior. And I feel like this is hard work for me because it's always been my natural inclination to be like, well, it's their fault. They're the ones that are in the wrong. I really try to lean into that work around, okay, how am I showing up in this and what's my part? 
that I'm playing. So that's where I've been kind of finding that I'm leaning into curiosity. But what's an example of where this might show up for someone else? You know, like so someone else is sitting there thinking, well, how am I going to approach Christmas with curiosity or what does that mean for, for me as, a, as an individual? Like what am I going to do? What do you mean? I've got to be more curious. Yeah, when you say it like that, it sounds really abstract and it feels really fluffy out there in the world. And so what I mean is when you feel some activation around something, So your body is giving you a sign that something's not right. It may be that you've been asked to cook something that you don't want to cook or even something that you do want to cook or you're going to a place that you don't want to go to or it's just noticing what is my body telling me. Mm. You may be known for making the best pavlova. You've got the recipe down pat. You know how to do it. And this year... Your body is telling you, you can't be bothered. I actually don't have a willingness to make that pavlova. Now, curiosity would be like, oh, that's interesting. Normally, you kind of like it, but this year you don't want to do it. So, what do we choose? And these are the moments. When it comes to well-being, when it comes to taking care of ourselves, it's these micro moments of thinking, you know what, this year... I'm going to give myself permission to go to the supermarket, get a pre-made pav, whack some cream on, put some strawberries, and for this year, that's enough. Now, that's a simple example, but for people listening, the idea of buying something pre-made feels intolerable. What will other people think? (laughs) That's what I was thinking. I think of myself. Like, this is just like, ah, scary. Yeah. And so, curiosity is just that little nudge for us to get really connected to what am I willing to do and where has something run its course? Except for me, then I go to like, that sounds terrifying. So I've got curious. I don't feel like making the pav. Like the actual thought then for someone who's in that sort of like I'm a perfectionist, my whole identity is attached up to making this pav every year. I can't just go to the supermarket and buy the pav. What will everybody think, Meg? You know, like that's where I went to. There, I was like, oh, my goodness, no, because everybody else will think that I've failed. Or like how do you then deal with those follow-up feelings that come and the actual thought of what everybody else is going to think if I choose to prioritise my own needs and like be less stressed because I'm not freaking out about making the pad perfect, I'm just going to go and get it from the shop, I might feel better, but how do I deal with everybody else's emotions around that? I think the scariest thought, which we don't often go to, is, what do I think of myself for not making the path? Because it's easy to think about Sally will think that I'm lazy. Sally expects me to make the path. But to have that curiosity to think, well, what judgment am I putting on myself? What judgment would I put on somebody else who's not making the thing that they always make? And this is where the curiosity comes in. It's this gentle noticing like, oh, gosh, I've got some really rigid expectations. Like we're literally talking about a pavlova. It's not life or death. However, we have some really rigid rules. And if we go back to the episode where we talked about the P's, the P's are perfecting, pleasing, pretending, producing, performing. All of these ways of coping, these control strategies, these survival strategies will be in full flight at Christmas. 
And so we'll be telling ourselves the story that it needs to be perfect. It has to be perfect. And if it's not perfect, I won't be able to deal with it. I won't be able to manage. And I hope that over time, after listening to these podcasts, that you're starting to notice that, you know what? I can manage. It's fine. People may feel uncomfortable, but gee, I'm going to feel relieved when I'm not fluffing around over that thing that I don't even like doing. And the interesting thing is, if after a few years you've been buying the pavlova, we're just using pavlova as example, so everyone can insert their own example of the thing that they do that they don't want to do, you go back to making the traditional one, people will be like, oh, what are you doing that for? I just got used to you behaving like this. Mm. And so some of that transition and that tension and that resistance is just because it's different. Mm. And we make different in our body as bad or wrong, where different is just a part of the change process. So learning to be with the resistance, learning to be with the chatter, it's just a part of it. So one thing I was thinking about there is how do you get clear for yourself, though, on, you know, like for someone who's been the perfectionist and has been the doer and the pleaser for for a very long time. So you've been the one that does everything. You host the Christmas, you cook everything, you make sure everyone's got all the presents and your sense of identity is wrapped up in that. How do you kind of know if it's you that wants to do it or if it is just because you've always done it? And like, is it really like leaning into that little intuition? Like maybe there's a little voice in there that says to you, do you actually like doing this or are you doing it because you think you should? And like, just is it just listening to those little inklings? Because I, I imagine for some people, it's really hard to tell. Like, do I actually enjoy doing this, or am I just doing it because I've always done it? Like, how do you take the time to stop and have that awareness? Our body's telling us all the time, and our body's speaking to us in the language of emotion. And so emotions pop up, and they are like street signs telling us what's happening. So if you're feeling resentment, Mm. that's a really, really important sign. Your body is saying, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done with it. I need a boundary. Or you may be feeling envy because you're looking at a neighbor who's looking really relaxed about Christmas. Everybody's bringing a plate and they seem super relaxed and you're sweating it out in the kitchen, making everything, making sure the table's set. You know, so envy is really interesting to note, the resentment piece and then also the guilt because the guilt is saying, I'm supposed to do it like this. You're supposed to, like if you're a good wife or a good mother, all of those things, you need to do it like this. Where in reality, do you? And at what cost? I'm sure there are lots of partners that would be relieved if you just cut everybody some slack. And most importantly, if you could cut yourself some slack. Mm. And I guess too, it might be. So it is just, it's taking that moment to get curious and notice. And maybe, maybe you're the sort of person who is just doing it all with ease and you love it and it really does light you up and it's bringing you so much joy to do that. But it's noticing if it's not, like that's the key thing, isn't it? Because I think for so many of us, we have just spent so much time doing it and we think it's bringing us joy, but actually maybe it's not. And I love the way you said, tapping into those feelings of this. Is there a bit of resentment there actually? And are you maybe a little bit jealous of everyone else who's not helping? And do you get cross with everybody? And do you kind of bottle it up inside because you're doing it all and no one else is helping, but actually no one feels like they can help anymore because you've been doing it all for so long or yourself. It's those, it's just noticing those little micro things, I guess. And then 
getting curious and questioning, well, do I want to keep doing it like this? If I'm actually true to myself, do I honestly want to keep doing it like this or would I like to do it a different way? And then perhaps it's just trying to pick one small thing. Like don't, don't go the whole hog this year and like just throw it all up in the air. Right, I'm having a barbecue outside and you're cooking. I'm not doing anything because that might be just way too unsettling. But, you know, is there one thing that you could let go of this year or could you just ask for help for one area or do you think that would be a safe way to approach it if you do feel like actually there's resentment and all that sort of thing there and I'd like to do it differently? Well, when it comes to change, what comes through my mind is we need to challenge ourselves at a rate that we can tolerate. So if the example of buying a pavlova sends a shiver through your spine, that's probably enough. (laughs) Even just the idea of thinking about it. So for you this year listening to this podcast, that might be enough. That this Christmas you do what you've always done and just notice oh, that was a bit too much, that's not so great. And then maybe after Christmas, having a chat with people in your family saying, you know what, that was just too much for me this year. Like, let's do it differently next time. Having those conversations. So this year could be really about information gathering around what do you feel works for you, what doesn't work for you, where do you notice that guilt, resentment, envy, judgment, noticing all of those things and seeing it as useful information, information that you can gather to help you be deliberate the next time it comes around. Love that. And that really is that getting curious and just noticing how you're behaving and just really trying to pick up on that for this year. Even if you don't make any actual change this year or do anything differently, just get curious about how you're behaving around Christmas in the lead up to Christmas around your family, which leads me to my next question is the relationship side of things. You know, we know for a lot of people that Christmas is this really heightened time, brings families together. I actually think very sadly that the rates of domestic violence go through the roof at Christmas time as well because we're all in these situations with family where it's all very heightened and we're under a lot of stress. So how can we then relate this idea of curiosity to our relationships? Because there is that tendency just to think it's everyone else's fault, isn't it? Or that we can just blame them or if only so-and-so would behave differently, then everything would be all right. So how are we going to use this curiosity approach towards, or how can I use this more this year, Meg? Well, I think coming into Christmas, we've got to be realistic that it's a really tough time of year, particularly for us in Australia, because it's the end of the year. It's the end of the school year. Everyone's had a thousand end-of-year assemblies, celebration, catch-up, pool parties, whatever, and the birthdays they've squeezed in. Like it's a massive finish to the end of the year. So people are tired, people are exhausted, and then the idea of gearing up for Christmas, like, oh, it's just another thing. So it's the perfect storm. I often think, gosh, if I was living in America, it just works so much better because Christmas is Christmas. It's not also summer holidays. It's not also the end of the year. It's Christmas. It's cold. It's dark. You can sort of snuggle in. And then in summer, you have your summer experience where us in Australia, it's intense. It's an intense period. And what we know when things are intense, emotions are high. Mm. And what we also know is when emotions are high, intelligence is low. And so we do the things that we wish we didn't do. And we also know that this is much more likely when we go back to our families of origin. So all of a sudden, we're 
behaving in ways like our 12-year-old self would behave, might be throwing tantrums, might be stonewalling, might be doing all these things like, oh, gosh, I don't do that in my normal life anymore, but I come to this environment and there are cues here and my behavior kicks in. And this is where we give ourselves that permission to be human, the self-compassion, like, oh, I did that 12-year-old thing again. Oh, I just had a tantrum. Okay, I'll go back and repair and say, sorry, that wasn't really ideal. And in our relationships, the older I get, the lens that I'm using is when things are activated in me. So, for example, one of my strongest P's is being a people pleaser. I love pleasing people. It brings me so much joy to get the little pat on the back, like, good girl, that was really good, that was really thoughtful. And so when I perceive someone thinking that I'm not good or perceive someone making a judgment that I haven't done something good or too standard, it makes me feel really uncomfortable. And so then my natural response is, oh, they're just so annoying. I need them to be out of my life. If they weren't here, my life would be better. (laughs) And so moving beyond that response to, gosh, that's so interesting. That really taps into that people pleaser in me and I find it really hard when people aren't happy with me. And then I have that opportunity to coach myself and parent myself in that moment to be like, oh, it kind of sucks. Not everybody likes me. Not everyone likes my decisions, my behaviour. It's really uncomfortable and it is what it is. I don't need them to change for me to be okay because the more okay we can become in ourselves, the more stable we can become and the less other people rock us. Every time we're looking to the external for approval, for our worth, we're really at the mercy of others and that's not helpful for us and it's certainly not helpful for our young people. That is absolutely the truth. And thinking about for like my situation and where I've been trying to get more curious about how I am in relationships with my family, you're so right in that it, when I get curious about it and I try to track down like, well, where's that coming from? Why do I resort to these behaviours? Why do I get into these arguments? Why do I get so triggered? Those kind of things in my family of origin, it does all come back to how I feel about myself and to where my insecurities are. And I think when you can get to that place without being self-deprecating or beating yourself up about it, but from that lens of curiosity and from that idea of, all right, I'm witnessing and I'm noticing this, how am I going to change that behaviour? Or what sort of tools am I going to use? Do I need to actually pull back from that relationship a bit? Do I need to know when this is heating up and I'm going to take myself out for a walk? Do I just need to not engage in these conversations? Or where am I actually throwing the barbs as well you know like where is it that I'm actually almost putting us into these situations and so when I start to look at it from it's it's me that's showing up in this causing this situation then I have the ability to think about well how am I going to change it and make it differently rather than just because we can't change other people can we like we're never going to change other people it really comes back to us and that's a much more empowering place to come from but gee it's hard it is hard and it's liberating Mm. It is so liberating when you can get to the point of people behave in ways that are pretty predictable. It actually hasn't changed over years and years and years. People behave in pretty predictable ways. And 
knowing what I know, I have the choice now to behave in different ways. I can't change them. All I can do is focus what's within my control. And I actually go back to my aerobics teacher days because when we were taught all around fitness and being personal trainers and as a phys ed teacher, there's this principle called the fit principle, which is frequency, intensity, type, and time. And so I think about this in relationship. If there are some people that really activate you to a point that you behave in ways that you're not proud of, that you behave in ways that are out of line with your values, you need to reduce the frequency until you have the ability and you've built up your endurance and your tolerance to be with them and you may never get there and that's fine. So the frequency part. The next part is the intensity. So it can be really intense to go to someone's house because when you go to someone's house, especially if it's a family of origin, you start to see all the little things that may remind you of things that used to bug you when you were younger or if they come to your house, you're quite protective over your certain things. So it's really important that sometimes meeting on neutral ground is less intense. To go to a restaurant, to go to the pub, somewhere where there's a start and finish because it can be quite intense if you're at someone's house or someone's at your house and there's no finish. You're like, let's wrap this up, wrap this up, and they want another wine, another beer, and oh, we'll just stay the night. You think, please don't stay the night. Uh, Like, that's the last thing I want. I'm done. And so thinking about intensity and then the type is just, you know, how are we going to do this? For some people, you probably, the face-to-face just isn't working at the moment. You might need a break. Might be a phone call. Might be a text. And then the time is literally how much time can you tolerate together before you start to get wobbly and before things go pear-shaped. So you may know that there are certain relationships that you can be together for the whole weekend. You can be together for 72 hours, no problems. There might be other relationships where you're like an afternoon max. You know, in an afternoon, I can stay in my integrity, I can behave in ways that I'm proud of, and after that, I just can't. Again, it comes back to having that awareness to notice and to know, though, like what your limits are. So instead of just pushing through and going, all right, we'll just spend all Christmas together. You can all stay in my house. I'm going to have five days. Just stopping and actually taking the time to think, is that going to max me out? So over the next period in the lead up to Christmas, bringing some awareness and knowing and without any guilt or shame or, you know, beating yourself up. Okay, well, I know there are certain family members that set me off or that I feel triggered by for whatever reason. with no sense of blame or guilt for that. So actually maybe... It'd be better for all of us, including my family, my kids, my husband, my partner, whatever, if we actually limit that time. And yes, to do that, there might be a difficult conversation in some ways it has to happen because you might have to say, well, actually, I think we should just have this amount of time together. But setting those boundaries up front and being really clear about that too actually leads to better outcomes for everybody because sometimes we can avoid that difficult conversation and that difficult bit where we have to say, actually, I really only want to spend, you know, half a day or lunch. Let's just do lunch and then we'll all go back to our own ways. And we we sort of get so fearful about that conversation that we avoid that. But then we suffer through this entire Christmas period or this entire thing. And then it affects not just us, but our entire family. And we really would have been much better off just being really clear and honest with ourselves and setting that boundary up front. And then actually everybody's better off, aren't they, in the end? Absolutely everybody's better off. Yeah. Nobody wins 
when we go into that martyrdom of I've just got to grip my teeth and bear it for the sake of the children, for sake of everybody else, because young people and our partners are tapping in to our Wi-Fi. They're tapping into our nervous system. So even if we're saying it's all fine, I've got it under control, they can feel that it's not fine, that they're in the doghouse or they're upset and I've got to do something differently. And so this is when we come back to that question of at what cost? Yes, I can do this. Yes, I can do that. Yes, I can do this. Yes, I can do all the things. And at what cost? And generally the cost is our own sense of self. We feel like we betray ourselves constantly then we feel underappreciated, we don't feel valued, then we start to feel resentful and then we start to disconnect because when we're exhausted and over it and not feeling appreciated, we disconnect from the people we love and Christmas is about time with the people that we love. So it's really hard to be in connection when we're not in connection with ourselves first. That's the crucial thing, isn't it? Something else that just popped up for me there too is because I was just relating this back to myself thinking about how I've been in the past in terms of just trying to do everything at Christmas. Like if I'm hosting, I'll just try to do as much as possible. Now I'm just like everybody just chips in and helps and everybody does everything and, you know. But in the past I would have been like that and it's almost like it got me thinking, well, what was I avoiding as well? Like sometimes we can be keeping ourselves flat out busy because we're trying to avoid something else as well. So it's that's another part of the getting curious. What are you avoiding or what are you trying to push through or what are you trying to prove if you're into these behaviours that are masking other things, you know? And that, again, is that's that self-inquiry, is it? That self-knowledge, bringing it back to you. And if you are avoiding something and it feels too big, just keep avoiding it for now. Mm. We need to feel safe enough and settled enough mm-hmm. to actually face our challenges. And Christmas and end of year is probably not the time where Mm. you feel safe and settled enough to actually face some of these challenges. So uh, if there are big things around family, around dynamics, just be kind. Mm. Be kind to yourself. Know that you can't control the waves, but you can learn to surf. And Christmas for some people is a massive wipeout wave. So what can I do to get through this temporary situation without any permanent damage to myself and others. And also just have some compassion and empathy for other people because, you know, we're sort of making this about how you can cope, but there might be other people in your family who, A, might feel relieved if you do say, let's actually just spend lunch together. Maybe they'll go, oh, thank God, I was busting to do that as well because it stresses me out to the max as well, spending so much time together. But also, what other dynamics are other people dealing with? And giving other people that compassion, that empathy and extending it to them to think, Gosh, well, if I'm feeling like this, think about all the individual personalities that are dealing with all their own things at Christmas time and we're all about, you know, an issue with that or an issue with this and, you know, we're all doing it. It's not just us. So I think that could be a really helpful thing to think about as well and just understand that other people are dealing with all of their own stuff as well. It's not just you and having that empathy around that could be very helpful. And Christmas time, we have so many fantasies. (laughs) about how it should be when for some people there's a real sense of grief because it's not how it should be or it's the first Christmas without a family member. Like there's a lot that's happening. It's a really intense time and the more that we can be honest with ourselves, the more we can be in relationship in a way that's really authentic. An example that comes to mind is 
you know, my girlfriends who I went to school with were catching up for lunch in a few weeks' time, which I'm really looking forward to. And someone in the WhatsApp group said, oh, we should do a KK. And so instantly I was like, oh, God, presents. <laughs> I tell you were like, going to say that. Yeah, I just do not. I go to the shops twice a year, can't deal with shops. Like it's just too much for me. I can get your book. Can we do like a book swap? But shops is really tricky. And I just thought, I can't be bothered doing KK. I've got to think about it. Like that's too much. And then another friend said, how about we do a KK where there's a budget and everybody buys something from Mecca and then we just put it in a circle and it's just a lucky dip. I'm like, now that is something that I can do. That, that is manageable. Great. I'm on board. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I love that idea. And see, again, you know, like so great that that friend was able to say that because then it probably I'd say at least half the people in that group are like, oh, thank God. Oh, everyone's like, yep, yep, I'll be there. Yep, sounds good. Can do that. That's easy. No problems. Yeah. All of a sudden the WhatsApp's on fire. Yeah, and, and that's, just that, that's also that reminder to sort of speak up too if there are things because, yeah, like we said, you, you just don't know who else will be grateful that you've set that boundary or that you've suggested something different, you know, because you've maybe been following the status quo in the family for years and years and years and no one's ever done it differently and you might feel like you're the one who's kind of upsetting the apple cart, but actually maybe everyone will be glad if you try to do something different. And we don't know until we have that conversation. Exactly. And we've got to be kind of brave enough to actually do that as well. But I really like what you said, Meg, and I think it's really important to highlight that it is such a tricky time at Christmas. And it was you that said to me after this Christmas about the in Australia how challenging it is at this time of year. It really is there's just so much we just zoom into the end of the year and it's just everyone's exhausted and we have like a week before Christmas, then we have Christmas and it's summer. And I was like, you're so right. It's just a different environment to what it is in Europe and America. Because I always thought it was great that it was in the summer holidays. You know, I always thought, oh, it's fantastic. We've got so long. But you were right. So it's giving ourselves that grace and it's that knowing, being kind to ourselves. And if you do start to get curious, sometimes that can set you off into it. It can spiral you into like, oh, my God, like, if we're not careful with curiosity, we can start to beat ourselves up a bit or self-judgment. And we don't want that. We want a lot of compassion around this time of year because everybody's doing their best. Everybody's doing the best with what they've got. And if we can hold ourselves gently and hold our family and friends gently, we're going to open the door to more joy, more connection, and just a sense of relief. Let's just release the pressure and lean into joy and connection. At the end of the day, it's lovely to have a nice table. It's lovely to have a nice food, but it's the people that matter when it comes to Christmas. So I think it's curiosity followed up with a big dose of self-compassion and permission to be human. Like you always say, it's permission to be human. You won't get it perfect. There'll be things you'll say at Christmas that you regret later on. It's okay. And I like what you said about making sure that you do the repair bit as well. Have that good load of self-compassion and just be really kind. And you're right. It's really about the people at the end of the day. And it's about the more that you show up as, you know, like we always say, your best self. And the more you're kind of showing up with that self-compassion and that curiosity, that will lead to a lovely Christmas for other people around you as well, won't it? That'll be the helper. Oh, absolutely. Because... It is really hard to be in connection with someone that's racing around doing all the things Mm. compared to someone who's open and ready for a chat. It's just a different energy. Mm. So let's go into Christmas with an open heart, an open mind, 
and be ready for pleasant surprises. I love that. I think that's a beautiful place to wrap up, Meg. I hope this episode's been so helpful for you guys. I think, yeah, just be really kind to yourself and let's all try and have a lovely Christmas and enjoy it as much as possible. And, you know, just maybe give yourself a bit of a break and find one thing you can do less. And I just, that really, really resonated with me what you said there about having that openness and that time for a discussion and that presence rather than rushing around. Just try and be as present as possible. And I think that'll be really beautiful. And I'm so grateful for this conversation, Meg. Thank you so much. You're such a wise person who I just love talking to about all this stuff all the time. And I'm so grateful that you've come on to share this with our listeners. So thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks, Meg. And thank you for listening, guys. And Merry Christmas.